When I was a kid, I uh, grew up in a, a rural area, and so my brothers and I, I had two younger brothers, we would go out and actually we, we'd go into uh, one of my mom's cabinets and we'd take the ma- ma- mason jars, right? Remember the mason jars you actually used to have in your house all the time? So we would take those and we'd go outside and we'd start to catch fireflies. So there were three of us and so it was a competition for us to see who could catch the most fireflies and by the time mom and dad called us in to come in and go to bed we'd see who had the most fireflies and of course we let them all go and again maybe some of you in this room maybe you remember doing that as a kid too but but fireflies are pretty easy to to capture aren't they I mean one they give themselves away they're they're making light I was like oh I know exactly where you are And, and and they're not fleet of wing either are they I mean, these things aren't zipping through the air really quick. They're, they're pretty slow. And so as you see one just kind of fluttering, it's easy just to kind of grab it, put it in a jar, and again, see who has the most. But, but I want you to think about that for a moment, that, that firefly, that light that it emits. It's a chemical reaction that's actually taking place within their abdomen. And if you look it up, there's like five or six different elements that have to connect together at the right moment to make this light. Now, now think about it for a moment, uh, and researchers have done research here. They, they've looked at the firefly and tried to figure out why do they emit this light. Well, a couple of reasons. One, to ward off prey. Yeah, so a prey like sees this light and says, like, hey, I'm going to stay away from that because that's a little bit different than anything I've ever seen before. And supposedly, I've never tried it before, but a firefly is pretty bitter, okay? So, which may be part of why it's able to make this chemical reaction. So, so prey, keeping off prey. But the second reason and the most logical reason and what they're pretty sure is that they do this for mate attraction, and so as they're lighting up, it's telling the male or the female, like, hey, look at me. I'm looking pretty good today. Look at my light. It's bright. It's not about skills, right? It's not about abilities. It's not about what they look like. It's what's on the inside that attracts the mate. Today we continue our series, our Christmas series. And, and throughout this series, we've been talking about light and darkness. We've been saying that throughout this series that God has always used light to dispel darkness. If we look back at the beginning of Scripture, we, we find that God is here and, and around, and it's just, it's the earth, and it's formless, it's void, and it's dark. And the very first thing that God creates is light. And then we look a few years later, we see there's darkness in the world, and what does God do? In this darkness, God sends light, God sends his son to this earth to be light in the darkness. Last week, we talked about that for some of us, we have that light in us. And, and that light, even when times are dark for us, it helps us to survive. It helps us to keep moving. Because we have that light, we have Christ within our hearts and our souls. But is there something else that we need here? Is there another step that takes place? Is it just enough for us just to have that light? Well, I think it goes beyond that. I think there's something that you and I have to be willing to do with the light that we have. And with that light, we can do amazing things. If you go back to John chapter 1, verse 5, it's a verse we've been looking at every single week. It's kind of been our theme for the series. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. If that light is present, if the light of Christ is present, then that light will never extinguish. It will always be present. But what about if it's inside of us? Well, again, that light will never be extinguished. As I get older... I think about my legacy. And as I think about what my life looks like now and what it may look like in the future, I wonder what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? Are they going to say that Chad was a person that was full of darkness? 
Or are they going to say that Chad was a person that was full of light? But, but here's, here's the key part here. We can have light inside of us. But are we actually using that light to shine in the darkness around us? This morning I want to talk about what that looks like for you and I to, to have that light, but then to use it in powerful ways. I think the way that God intended for us to use it. We're going to look back at a scripture in Matthew. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're going to start at verse 14. Uh, this is actually part of a big sermon that Jesus gives. And uh, man, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. If you've ever read it before, I can't even imagine what it was like for them to sit there and listen to all this the stuff that he's just throwing out during this message. And, and this is one of the, the passages that, that we get from, from that particular message. And it's, it's so powerful because it connects exactly with what we're talking about here. Matthew chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you, feel free to grab one of those. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, You can also follow along on your Journey Church app or take notes on your program this morning. But here's what it says, Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now that emphasis on you is for me, okay? So you are the light of the world. Let's go back for a moment. Some of the passages we've looked at over the past couple of weeks, one of them comes out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Here's what Isaiah says in that moment. He says, the light is coming. There's darkness, but the light is coming. And then we looked at John chapter 12, verse 46, and and here's what Jesus says. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. So here's Jesus all of a sudden. He's like, I am the light. Isaiah said the light is coming, and now I'm telling you, I'm actually that light that Isaiah was talking about. I'm the light. But then here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, now you are the light of the world. What's the point he's trying to make here? Because it seems kind of strange. One moment he says, I'm the light. And then he says, you are the light. Is he confused? No, he's not confused. Jesus says, look, I'm that light that Isaiah was talking about. And I have come into this world. I am the true light. But, but I'm going to give you, if you follow me, I'm going to give you my light. And now your job is to be a reflection of my light and the world that you live in. As I think about that passage and what Jesus says here, I think about our planetary system. I think this is a great description of what this means for us and being that light and the reflection of God to the world around us. You know, we've got the, the, the sun and we've got the earth and we've got the moon and then we've got those other planets and that one planet we can't figure out whether it's a planet or not, Pluto. We're still debating that these days, it sounds like. But, um, but, but I want to think for a moment about the earth, the sun, and the moon. Think about the sun. It's a power source, right? It's a power source. I mean, it's a, it is a violent chemical reaction that's just happening on a consistent basis. But it's a power source for our whole solar system. If we could take the temperature uh, of the sun, which somehow we've done that. We figured this out because there's really smart people out there. Uh, on the visible surface of the sun, it's about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot. All right, then we have the moon. Now, the moon's kind of the antithesis to the sun, right? The sun is a power source. It's hot. It's violent. There's a chemical reaction that's taking place on a consistent basis. And then you have a rock, right? We have this big rock sitting outside of the earth. Well, you know, 
248 million miles or so away, give or take a few million miles. But, but it's this big rock. There's no power source there. There's nothing violently happening on the moon. It's, it's just kind of present, right? There's no, there's no chemical reaction. But, but you know what? I, I love when the moon is full. Friday night we were driving around. We, actually, we weren't driving around. We were going to a family event. And um, as we were driving up 495, it was crazy because every time you kind of hit, hit an edge or go over a hill on the interstate, the moon looked like it was sitting on your, on your, um, on your, your front of your, your dashboard there, right? I mean, it was huge. And then you go down a little bit. It looked like it moved away. And then you'd come up on the hill and it was big again. I mean, it's beautiful. I love it because it just it shines and you can see everything, especially when it's not raining here. It's beautiful. But I think about it, and I think that's not a power source. It's just a reflection of the sun. See, so the sun reflects on this moon, and then it reflects on us, right? So this power source is shining on the moon, and then it's reflecting that back to us so that we have light in the darkness. The crazy part is only about 3 to 12% of what actually hits the moon comes back to earth. That power source is from somewhere else. The moon is a reflection of that power source, of that light on us here on earth to light the darkness. I think it's the same thing that we find here with Jesus. Jesus says, look, God's the power source. I'm the light, and then your job is to reflect my light into the world. And so he says, you are a light or the light of the world. And then Jesus gives some metaphors here of how this light should shine in us. Matthew chapter 5, continuing in verse 14, says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. If you have kids, or if you've ever traveled with kids before, when they're little babies, you're like, this isn't going to be hard. Right? You got this little tiny little thing, and you're like, we don't have to pack a whole lot. And then you start packing. Like, oh, we need a, we need a, we need a bed because people are going to go see they don't have a bed. And, and you got to take diapers and you don't really realize how much space diapers take up. And then we got we to have food and, and then we, you know, we got to have a stroller to push them in. And, and, and by the time you finish packing your car, like, we don't have any room for our own stuff. Maybe a backpack, you throw some stuff in there, you're good to go. And traveling's kind of hard when they're that age. But then they get older and you don't have to pack as much, but they're the bathroom breaks. And so you're driving along, and like every five minutes, I got to use the bathroom. Like, dude, you, you just went. Like, literally five minutes. I know. I got to go again. You got to stop. I got to use the bathroom. Like, I was in there with you. I heard you. It sounded like a camel in there. I think we're good. <laughs> Kids, like, I, I got to go. Now, especially at night. It's great at night because as you crest the hills on the interstate, you can see lights, or you're always looking for them because you know where those lights are. There's probably a place for you to stop. As Jesus talks about this town built on a hill, says it cannot be hidden. In ancient times, many cities and towns and villages were, were built on higher land. They, would, they were built on hills or, or mountains. Very rarely did you see one in the valley. One was for protection. If an invader is coming in to invade your town, you could see them coming, but they would have to fight uphill. Your soldiers would fight downhill, which gave you an advantage over them. So it was for protection, but it was also so that you could see where the town was. And so when you were traveling, you didn't have to kind of go look, you know, I got to climb a mountain so I can look down and see if there's a town down there. You could see the lights, especially in that culture at that time. I mean, that was all you had. You had a city, you had a village, you had a town, and you had nothing for maybe miles. 
And so you could see those lights and you knew you were going in the right direction. You knew you were heading to the right place. You knew you had a place to stop. You couldn't hide yourself because you were on a hill. And so Jesus says, if you've got this light, you're going to be shining. And if you're going to be shining, everyone will be able to see you. No one will miss you. Then he says this in verse 15. He says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Have you ever lost power in the middle of the night before? And you know it happens because everything that's electronic begins to to beep and and make noises as soon as it goes out. Um, And and so as as all your power goes out, if, if you're like most people, you've probably got a flashlight right beside your bed. Or maybe in the little, the little table right beside the uh, lamp, right beside your bed. And, and so you reach down to grab for it, and sometimes it's not there. You're like, I know I put it there. Or you grab it, and you pull it out, and you're like, all right, I'm going to turn this on. And, and you realize it's been on, and so the battery's dead. And then you put it all together, and you know your son or your daughter loves Star Wars, and that's been their lightsaber, and they've taken it and used it, or they've hidden it somewhere. And, you know, you probably say some words you shouldn't say at that moment, but... But we put a light there for one reason. We put that lamp there so that we know that when it gets dark, we can grab it and we can see where we're going in our homes. As Jesus uses this language right here, as he talks about this this lamp, um, the homes in in Palestine were small, a couple hundred square feet, maybe a couple of rooms. And so the only thing that you had to really light it was was a lamp. Now, you had a door, right? You had a door and and then you maybe had like an 18 inch across circular window and that was it so at nighttime it was really dark and during the daytime it was still pretty dark and so you would have these lamps and I think we have a picture of one here you have a lamp that looks similar to this sometimes they were uh, totally open uh, but you would put oil inside the lamp there'd be a wick that you'd put in there maybe about that long to start out it would soak in the oil then you would light that wick and and you would keep it lit for the most time or for most uh, most of the time And then anywhere that you would go in the house, you'd take that lamp with you. And the reason was, it was dark. And this helped you see what you were doing, whatever that may have been that you were doing in the home. Now, now Jesus says, in your home, you're not going to put a basket over top of this to hide that light. Because then you can't see. He's like, no, you're going to let that light shine. You're going to let it be bright. You want everybody to see what they're doing so, so no one gets hurt. Here in verse 15... He says, don't hide the light, just like you would not hide the light within your home. He talks about the city on the hill. He talks about this lamp. He talks about being the light of the world. And then he actually gives us a solution in verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That verse there is full of, of so much information for you and I. And in fact, I want to share with you four things that I find in this verse that are important to us when it comes to, to shining that light, when it comes to being that reflection of Christ in the darkness of our world. Here's the first thing. Let your light shine through good deeds. Let your light shine through good deeds. I mean, as we look through here, what does Jesus say? He's like, don't hide your light. Don't, don't keep it from everybody else. Let it shine. Don't even keep it for yourself. 
He says, let it shine. And he says, let it shine so that you can be a reflection of God, of me, and the world that you live in. He says, you just do this through your good deeds. Think about that word or those words for a moment, good deeds. Now, are good deeds knowing every book of the Bible? Uh, is it understanding, you know, all the disciples and knowing their names and where they're from? Is it, is it re- being able to tell people what your eschatology is? Is that what good deeds are? No, it's not. Now, those aren't bad things, and maybe we should know them a little bit better than we, than we tend to do. But, but good deeds are very different. That Good deeds are something that we're familiar with. Good deeds are, are things that you and I have seen in our life. Maybe we've been the recipient of, of good deeds. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've done good deeds for other people. I think about the journey of this church and, um, and over the past few months and the good deeds we've done together. One is the van for Lorianne. still blows me away what we've been able to do there. It's Koinonia and it's the Thanksgiving baskets. You did about 100 of them for, for Thanksgiving. And somebody said, hey, we want to help out with Christmas baskets for these families. And so somebody gave money and we got another 100 that are, went out for, for Christmas for, for these families. And then we had our Christmas wishes and you guys went out there and you grabbed a bunch of presents. And over the past few weeks, there were a ton of presents out there. Because you're like, hey, we, we want to do good deeds. We, we want to impact lives. And then we've got our summer lunch bunch program where last summer we fed over 5,000 lunches to local kids here in Springfield, up from about 3,000 the year before. This summer coming up, we're going to continue to do that. And we, we've got a plan in place we're working on where we can actually feed kids by the time they get out of school to the time they go back to school that we can feed them for the whole summer, even on the weekends. We're working on that right now. I mean, those are good deeds. We get that. And then you've got your own personal good deeds, Right. You've got those personal things that you and I do to help those around us. We understand good deeds, we see good deeds, and hopefully we do good deeds in our life. And Jesus says, if your light is shining, here's the deal, you'll be full of good deeds. And that's the way that you will shine that light through the good deeds that you do. Don't hide the light, use it in the world around I think Jesus is letting us know that doing good deeds means we put other people first. And that comes from the light that we reflect into the world. Second thing we have here is that everyone will see the reflection of God through you. Everyone will see the reflection of God through you. Uh, I've told you this before. I grew up in a pastor's home my whole life. My my dad's a pastor. And so I've been in a lot of churches. And I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a church, especially an older church, at night, when the lights are off, pretty much the scariest place in the whole wide world, <laughs> right? If you've ever been in that situation before? Uh, but they're scary places, but at the same time, sometimes in those churches, because they're older, they have stained glass windows, and, and they're beautiful, but, but at night, you can't see anything. You can't see what's there on those stained glass windows. In the morning, when the sun begins to shine through, what happens? I mean, these beautiful stories begin to unfold and there's stories about love and stories about hope and, and transformation. There, there's stories about light. The Christmas season is kind of a crazy time because we kind of up the ante for shining light. Uh, this is the moment where we're all like, oh, yeah, I'm all in. So what do we do? We volunteer. We volunteer like crazy. I mean, some nonprofits have to turn people away because people want to volunteer and to help those in need, which is great. 
It's the moment that, that we begin to think, oh, how can I help people this time of year? And we do that in, in amazing ways. Again, that's great. And even that guy on the corner that you passed 11 and a half months out of the year for two weeks, you're like, man, I'm going to help this guy out. And you start giving him money or you give him gift cards to particular restaurants. And, and here's the deal. It feels good, doesn't it? Why? Because we're giving. Part of it is because we're in the Christmas spirit. But what happens in January? Credit card bills from December come due. Yeah? You spent two weeks with your whole family. They include your kids. It's rough. You get tired. December, I was just talking to somebody before our service. December's it wears you out. You're tired. You're worn out. There have been parties. You've been traveling. I mean, all these things start to hit. And so January comes, and that Christmas spirit, man, it's gone. It's left us. It's nowhere to be found. And we forget about being the light. What Jesus is talking about here, he doesn't say being the light is seasonal. He's not like, hey, here's, here's the deal. Give me two weeks, all right? That's all I need. If you can be the light for two weeks out of the whole year, that is amazing. That's not what he says, is it? No, he says, be the light. And here's what happens. When you and I are light in the darkness, when we reflect Christ into the darkness of the world around us, you know what happens? Beautiful stories begin to be unfolded in front of us. Stories of love, of hope, of transformation, stories of light. Everyone will see the reflection of God through us when that light is a part of us. Here's the third thing we see. There's an outcome here. Others will want to be, or others will want the light themselves. When that light is reflected from us into the world, people want to know what's different about us, especially when we don't just do it for two weeks out of the year. When we don't just do it for December, but the other 11 months, we are we're the light into the world. We're, we're doing good deeds in the world. And then people look at us and like, whoa, what's different about you? Why are you that way? Why do you do that? And we get to share those stories. And so many times people change because of what they see in us. They'll want and desire that light themselves. A.W. Milne was a missionary in what we know now as Vanuatu. It's um, off the, the coast of, the, of northeastern Australia. It's about 500 islands uh, in the South, uh, South Pacific. And um, the story goes that uh, he just felt like God was calling him there. Like he, he couldn't control it. The Holy Spirit was telling him, this is where you need to go. The issue was that every other missionary that had gone there before had been killed especially this one particular island because it was an island inhabited by a cannibal headhunter tribe and everybody else had gone there again had died now again the story is and there was this group and I, I'm sorry I don't know the, what they called themselves but um, but basically every time that they would go out they would they would leave with with a coffin they would take their own coffin with them and in it they would pack all their stuff now this was a symbol to them that they were never ever going home that whatever happened, whether they died as soon as they got there or they died years later, they were never going home. They were never going home on furlough to say, hey, we were raising money, we want to be here. They stayed there in those locations. A.W. Milne goes to this one particular island. Somehow God works in a, an amazing way, and he ends up being there for 35 years. 
impacting this, this particular village. When he died, they buried him in the middle of the village. And on his tombstone, they inscribed these words. It says, when he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Can we have that kind of power in the people in our lives? I mean, we're not talking about cannibals and headhunters. Now, sometimes it may feel that way, but the amazing part, God can be that light and can reflect it into the world around us, and others will want that light themselves. Uh, in my experience, lives rarely change because of theological discussions. Now, I'm not saying those aren't bad to have. Very rarely do people say, I want to follow Jesus because of a theological discussion they have with someone who's a follower of Christ. What I find is that most people change and become followers of Christ and accept that light of Jesus themselves because of who that person is to them. It's because of who we are. It's because of of the life that we live. It's because of that reflection of Christ in us and to the world. That's when people start to see that and say, hey, I want what you got. Because you're making it through some hard times. Or you're helping people that I would probably never help. I mean, what is going on here? It's who we are that has the power to impact the lives of others. And it starts by being the reflection of Christ in the world we live in. And then here's the fourth thing. And this is probably the most important. And it's not, it's not really in this passage. Uh, it's kind of underlying everything here. But we've got to spend time in the light. We have to spend time in the light. Uh, I know people who have worked for you know, Avon and Mary Kay and Amway and Thrive. And, and I know some of you do that here at The Journey. And by the way, what I'm getting ready to say is not knocking you at all. Please listen before you send me bad emails. But um, here, here's, here's the deal. You guys love your stuff, Right? I mean, you're like posting on social media all the time about how great it is and the product and how it's changed your life and you're sharing stories about how it changes other people's lives. I mean, I love that because you are all in. Now, I get it. There's a money piece to that and you're trying to make money. But at the same time, you're, you're trying to say, hey, this can help you in your life. I mean, you are sold out. It is, it is a part of your DNA. You've soaked that all into you. I wonder what would happen if you and I soaked the light of Jesus fully into us what would that mean what if it was a part of our spiritual DNA like we couldn't we couldn't go anywhere without it just exuding from who we are think about the impact that that would have on those around us but how do we soak that in like it's so simple it's so simple I think it's hard part of it's being part of a church another part of that's being part of a smaller community we call those life groups it's called serving. Serving here, it's serving outside the church, it's serving our community, it's serving our neighbors. It's learning to give, to be generous with, with our time, to be generous with our, our resources. It's called finding a moment every day to pray. It doesn't have to be for 20 minutes. It might be for 20 seconds, but to be able to just spend some time in prayer and to read scripture Look, if we, if we want to be the light and reflect the light, one of the things that we have got to do is we've got to soak in that light. It, it's got to permeate our spirit and our heart 
to such a degree that it just becomes natural to who you and I are. So that's my question. Have we immersed ourselves in that light? Has that light become a part of our DNA? Do people look at us and say, again, there's something different about you. Oh, you've soaked in this light. You've soaked in who Christ is, and you are different because of that. And I see it through the actions that you take throughout your life. Again, what does that do? People look at us and say, I want that. I want a piece of that. I want to be a part of that. If we want to impact the world, if we want to be light in the darkness, it all becomes down to, to who you and I are and what we do and how much light is soaked into us. Has it become a part of our DNA? You know, at the end of our lives, when we look back, what story will we, we reflect? Will it be a story and a life that's full of darkness? Will it be a story and a life that's full of light? Because when we follow Christ, honestly, we are God's way of dealing with the darkness. God says, Here, here's Jesus, here's my son. He is this light in the darkness. You can accept that and make it a part of who you are. Now go reflect that into the world that you live in, which means you and I are really the, the catalyst, the, the way that darkness gets dispelled because God uses you and me to be a reflection of that light into the darkness. What is your light reflecting? What is my light reflecting? You know, I go, I go back to those fireflies for a moment. That light isn't an appendage. It's, it's not a, a body part. It's a light that shines from within them. It's a light that attracts those mates to them. And so what is our light attracting to us? Have we soaked ourselves into that light in such a way that that light shines for the world to see? If we believe that and we live that out, it won't just be something that happens seasonal for us. It won't be something that just at Christmas time, our lives are different. It'll be there and it'll be shining brightly in January when that credit card bill comes due. It'll be shining bright on April 15th when those taxes are due. It'll be shining bright in 2025. It'll be shining bright for all eternity. If we let that light soak into us and become a part of who we are. And Jesus says, if you're a follower of mine, let that light shine. Reflect it into the world. Dispel the darkness around you. Every Christmas, the birth of that baby, of that light, of, of Jesus, should be that reminder to us that God always puts light to the darkness, to get rid of the darkness, to dispel the darkness. And God does that, not only through that sun, but uses you and me as really the front lines to get rid of that darkness. I hope over this Christmas season you can focus on that idea that, that God is using us to make a difference in this world if that light is inside of us and we reflect it into our world.
That's the power of the birth of Christ. That, that's the light, as John says, that will never be extinguished. This time of our service, we, we come together and we take communion as a church community. And I hope for you, as it does for me, it is always a reminder that there's light in the darkness, that, that no matter what you're facing right now in your life, no, no matter what you're going through, and I know for some people, Christmas is so hard, specifically because the loss of a loved one. This may be the first year you, you're, you're gonna have Christmas and, and that person's not gonna be there. May this be a reminder that even in that darkness, there is an amazing, incredible light. And maybe it's coming from somebody else. Maybe there's someone in your life that's a follower of Christ and you see that light in them. Let that light just reflect on you. Let them comfort you and help you and be there for you this time of year. Wherever we may be, whatever that darkness may look like, my prayer is today that we're reminded that God sent that light for us and it'll never be extinguished. But it can live through us to reflect into our world.